morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Gonzo, also known as Super G, joining us on this Friday. Jackie, the crypto juggernaut, and Billy, the chart analysis expert. So I am very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the rumors of a tether collapse are back in the news this morning, as the SEC is doing all they can to outlaw crypto in the United States. Coinbase and Ripple seem to be teaming up in a fight for fair regulation in the U.S., as Coinbase's CEO was not backing down, stating we're happy to go to court if that's what it takes. JP Morgan and Bank of America published new reports on crypto, calling this global banking collapse an opportunity for digital assets. And with Ethereum's founder Vitalik Buterin stating his crypto is not a security, we break down the details, showing our community how regulators are attempting to close the door on crypto innovation. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, a.k.a. Super G, you're taking the Italian stallion spot this morning. And you know what's exciting about that? is we've got some great news prepared. So I'm really excited to hear from you as Vitalik Buterin is already talking about how Ethereum can't be a security. So I'm excited to dive into that. How are you feeling, Gonzo? I'm feeling great. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I'm sorry that Johnny's not here because I'm having a great hair day today. I was actually going to wear a hat too because I know Billy's on today and he usually wears a hat. But at the last second, I did my hair and you know what? It ended up being a good hair day. So it's going to be a great show though, man. Absolutely. And Billy, always excited to see your face. And we call these Conspiracy Fridays. So, of course, I came prepared. How you feel, my friend? And thank you for making time for us. Man, all it is, all a conspiracy is, is a, a fortune telling that just hasn't come true yet, but it is true. It's a blessed day, man. We're getting ready to go into our third boot camp. Uh, we're getting interviews packed out this week. We sold another one out. Um, it, it's it's a crazy blessed time. And just so y'all all know, God does my hair every morning. It's a correct part. It's a uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Thank Not you. all of us can be as blessed as Gonzo, Billy, but somebody else is, and that's Jackie. Jackie, always happy to see you on this Friday. How are you feeling? And thank you for being here. Feeling great. Um, I'm not having a good hair day, but it's okay. It is what it is. Tomorrow's a new day. <laughs> Gonzo, you got to teach me your skills with that, but I'm feeling great, guys. It's always good to be on with the family. I love you guys so much. Awesome, guys. And with that being said, we're going to start the show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto. Like I said, we've gained 50 followers every day this week. So continue. We love you guys. Smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in greed this morning, sitting at a 61. And when we check out some of the daily movers, it's red across the board. We've got Hex down about 25%, Lidow down 11.5%, and that's pretty much it across the board. When we check out the total coin market cap, we are sitting at 1.16 trillion this morning. Bitcoin is 46% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin back below 28,000 at 27,900. Ethereum, 1,750. XRP is 42 cents. Cardano is 35. Avalanche is 17. And let's scroll down to Quant Network here, sitting at 122 this morning. And I am anticipating some bullish price action later in the month for these markets. And we're going to dive into it today. But before we do that, Gonzo, is there anything that catches your attention in the market overall? You know, I'm just watching Bitcoin dominance, right? We're, we're, we, we kind of started to pull back a little bit. And then now we're kind of uh, moving up again. And so, you know, we have to get up to that 48% level. Uh, I think eventually, like when Bitcoin dominance drops is when you'll see the altcoin, altcoins move. But um, I thought it was pretty cool. I was talking to Jackie and I forgot to post about this, but we were talking about the Arbitrum airdrop. And I had told her, 
A, I would get in at 111 because that looks like that's going to be a, a good level to get in at. And it actually went down to 109. So that order would have executed. I didn't get in. I think Jackie got in a little bit higher, but that was cool to see that the TA came through and that that 111 would have been a good call. Absolutely, Gonzo. And we're going to start this show off with an interesting video of John Deaton talking about the Ripple versus the SEC on Fox News. We already got 189 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Billy, we're going to come to you first right after this video because John Deaton, he was on Fox News telling the truth. The notion that so many people want to see this succeed, again, whether you're an investor or not, I think speaks to the idea of freedom, of innovation, of self-determination. And there are a lot of powerful forces out there that don't want to see that happen. Absolutely. And what I think what's happening is that cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin is one of the few times in history where the individual kind of front run the, the industry, if you will, in the hedge funds. And personally, I think that Gensler's attack on crypto is to allow the hedge funds and the Wall Streeters to come in, crash the market. They come in and then By the way, they do the stock market all the time, all the time. By the way, did you see a guy from Citadel, left Citadel to get in the crypto business? Of course. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear about that guy from the SEC who left the SEC to go to Simpson and Thatcher? Well, Billy, I'd love to hear some details because we've seen it before and we'll see it again. Them coming in and collapsing this market so the centralized entities can get control. It's something that we've been discussing for a while. So I'd love to get your thoughts and then we'll kick it to Jackie. Bro, we've been saying this for a long time. Even I remember a few months back we were talking about I, I brought it brought it out that, you know, in order to swing from one um, system into another system, you have to introduce the system that you want to go to. Right. And then in order to swing the other system, you have to crash one, crash the other, move the value over to the other and then be able to do that pendulum swing. Um, it's, it's the only way they, they can do it. it it's, it's crazy, though, because it, it's. We are going to lose our freedom with CBDCs. Don't get it twisted. If they uh, go through with this, there's not a move that we're going to be able to make. You can't stuff your your mattress with $100 anymore unless it's you know, it's $100 worth of gold or silver. Uh, it, it's just crazy what it's gone to, man. I love Charles Payne. He, he's, a, he's a monster on the financial market. And if there's any positive here, at least we got people like John Deaton fighting for the truth. And Jackie, before I kick it to you, I wanted to play this follow-up video because this is what's on the precipice of happening in the United States. If we do not get fair regulation, all of this new technology will be outlawed and it will move overseas. So we're going to play this short clip and go back to you. Here we go. This case is part of the SEC setting a precedent that will establish that every single cryptocurrency developer, operator, builder, exchange, it is all illegal. That is what this precedent will do. That is why the SEC is going to map. We offered the SEC millions of dollars in settlement money. We offered the SEC lots of things. They declined all of it and chose to bring this case. They chose to go all the way. Why would they do that? Why would they do that if they're not trying to accomplish something bigger than this case? The opportunity to make a lot of money, Jackie. And there's a couple of things that stick out to me here, but it reminds me of what we just got news of yesterday. As Coinbase received a new report, and sorry, guys, I'm getting a phone call. So Coinbase just received a new report from the SEC, and she said, sorry, Coinbase said, we asked the SEC for reasonable crypto rules for Americans, and instead we got legal threats. And yesterday they received a Wells notice from the SEC for offering a lot of unregistered securities as well as unearned services in the U.S. Specifically, they were targeting their digital assets, staking services, Coinbase Prime, and Coinbase's custody services during this investigation. 
Coinbase responded by saying, we are confident in the legality of our assets and services. And if needed, we welcome the legal process. And Jackie, we're going to show another video or another uh, article after this, elaborating on what Coinbase's CEO had to say. He even went as far as to say he's happy to go to court in the U.S. because they know they're going to be proven correct. So I'd just like to get your thoughts on this new technology being outlawed and pushed out of the U.S. What could that mean for the industry inside of our borders? Yeah, um, I definitely think that we've been talking about this. I mean, it's Conspiracy Friday, right? So let's jump into that. Um, you know, we've been talking about a switching of a world power, too. So that, I think, has a lot to do with what's going on, um, you know, with the collapse of our financial uh, system. So really, that's that's kind of what I've been thinking more on the ends of is the switching of the world power. I mean, just like Billy had said, they need to collapse both. Um, we, we see that, we see that going on right now. I don't, I think like the deeper uh, point of that, which again uh, leads into conspiracies is, is kind of the switching of a world power. Um, but if you can kind of see envision like the result farther down the road, um, that is obviously going to happen. And that's something to say, you know, the U S has been at the top for a really long time. Um, and if we, you know, I shout out to Waters Above. He talks a lot about this as far as um, dates, times, um, you know, even he even incorporates that exact thing with with the switching of world powers that happens every what, like so many years. I, I can't quote it exactly. Yeah, so he's talking about the Shemitah and after seven, seven year cycles, we have what's called a jubilee. And during that 50th year, there's supposed to be some great economic collapse. And right now, 2023 is that 50th year. So that's exactly what we're going through. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, I love that, guys. And I, I believe it. I believe it true. It's true. One hundred percent. Absolutely. And look at more validation here, Jackie, as a couple of weeks ago, Waters Above put out a tweet stating that XRP had created an 800 day bull flag. And Billy, you're a chart analysis expert here. So I'm sure I'm going to get your take. We broke out of this and got bullish momentum. XRP went as high as 49 cents after breaking out of this bullish pennant. And what we've been saying is, yeah, we're not in bullish confirmation. This thing's not going to head up forever, but hopefully we've created the lowest low of our bear market. And now we're getting some positive momentum. But to circle back to that later in the episode, Gonzo, I wanted to kick it to you. What do you want to focus on in particular? Because you can take this one of two directions. We can focus on the Coinbase Wells notice, or we can focus on the John Deaton interview. Floor is yours, my friend. Totally up to you. Yeah, you know, I wanted to focus on the Coinbase Wells notice, right? Because I know we're talking about conspiracies, but dude, this is not even a conspiracy. It's right there, right in front of you. If you don't understand how a Wells notice works, but basically, uh, let's say like the investigators at the SEC put together the Wells notice and they file it and they send it over to Coinbase and they tell them, okay, these things are, we consider securities. This is what you did wrong, right? And the whole point of the Wells notice is so that the other side, in this point, Coinbase can write a rebuttal. They can kind of say, okay, we agree with you. Maybe two out of 10 are securities or they're not all securities, but they can give a full argument. And the reason why is because what happens at the end of the 30 days is it gets presented to the commission. And then the commission decides whether to go forward with the lawsuit or not, right? So in this case with the Wells notice that Coinbase got, there was no information in it. And, and, and if you listen to the interview that uh, Meta Lawnman did with uh, Paul Barron's, he says that's highly unusual. The whole point of the Wells notice is kind of a give and take, right? And so that it can get presented because it's a process, right? But they don't even know what they're saying is a security, what's not a security. They don't even know what the issue is with the EARN program. Now, granted, two years ago, they went public, right? inside of their documentation to file for being for going public as a company and an exchange um they mentioned staking 57 times but yet 
there was no problem two years ago, right? It's not like Coinbase's business model has changed in those two years. It's exactly the same. So two years ago when they went public, there was no problem. Now all of a sudden, two years later, they have an issue with their staking problem or that they're listing securities, right? So it's absolutely not normal. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a total shit show. Absolutely, Gonzo. And I want to elaborate on something that you brought up, which is the fact that they had already filed with the SEC to get clarity. And instead, they received a Wells notice. But it's the broader point that we started the show with is that this is about bringing traditional finance into the crypto market and allowing them to profit off the adoption. And there's no way they can do that without proper regulation. And one of the things that gets left in the background during these conversations is the SEC doesn't create laws. The SEC enforces laws from Congress and Congress not being able to pass laws in regards to crypto gives the SEC a green light during this time to go after crypto exchanges or to go after unregistered products. And I have an exciting article I'd like to show our listeners later where we're talking about Tether being on the brink of collapse. And for the first time ever, we're getting some clear indicators that Tether could be setting up for the crackdown of the decade. But Billy, before we get into that, we titled our episode about XRP. And since you are the XRP, or sorry, the chart analysis expert, I'd love to get your take on this chart right here. XRP has been creating a long-term bull flag. And we've talked about this for quite a while on our show. Last time we saw something like this was back in 2017. And in 2017, XRP went from a fraction of a penny to just under $4 in only 240 days. That's about a 70,000% gain for anybody involved in this project. We're seeing something similar here. Now, I'm not going to go as far as to say we'll reach the $27 price target, but when do you believe we could get back over a dollar? Because finally, the price chart is showing us something positive. I think we I think we could get over a dollar once once the case ends. And I think we can go from there uh, even higher once the utility kicks in. That's going to be the thing. Once the utility kicks in across, then we can we can actually get the real price action for for what XRP is, is meant to be and what it's meant to do. Um, I mean, you can look at the chart. You have some resistance, you know, right below the 460. And that's when it's going to get exciting when you can break above that level and it's no longer resistance and it becomes support at that time. That's that's when it's going to get fun. But we need some things to happen in the market. We need utility. We have to have the utility in order for the price action to move, because if not, it's just going to stay flat. Everybody complains about the price, but XRP is is the liquidity, right? It has to move back and forth for what it's, its intended purpose before that that price can really be there. I mean, all these people can adopt it. We can go to all these di different countries, but if we're not using it, using it for the intended purpose, you're not going to have the price that it's supposed to be. The The chart set up beautiful. I mean, you can see it. it it's set up to, to spike to the upside. We have the, the previous chart history. All we need is the the catalyst behind that to make that happen. And as long as there's no you know, bullshit happen from the side, from the SEC and the alphabet crew, then, you know, this thing should should do what it's supposed to do. But we got to get through all the bullshit, man. This is the whole reason that we've been saying for a long time. The reason that crypto hasn't gone as fast as, it, as it's supposed to in the United States is because they haven't figured out how to get their piece yet and how to control it. Um, and that's just what it is, man. They're, they're trying to figure out how they can control it so we can't take over the game because crypto changes the game. It flips the SEC on its head and we take all the power back, but only if we, we do it the right way. Billy, we often say there's no such thing as a coincidence. There's only an unrecognized pattern. And I want to kick it back to you for some brief comments here. For anybody who doesn't know, Billy actually hosts a charting course within our academy, and he does phenomenal work both within the stock market, and now he takes that and applies it to the crypto market for us. So shout out to you, Billy. But one of the things that I want to make point, point of here 
is the fact that the XRP price chart is turning bullish at the exact same time we're getting some positive momentum within the XRP lawsuit. So I just wanted to for you to elaborate on that statement. You're saying we could get some positive momentum and that could cause a breakout. Well, we know whenever XRP moves, it moves way quicker than people are prepared for. So what are you anticipating if we do get a positive news in the summary judgment? Like I said, the price chart and the news lining up, it's not a coincidence. Correct. And people are starting to see 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 the truth. They see the economy, what's happening in the world. They see everything that's going on with the SEC. And then they see what XRP is really doing and, and what on a global scale it can do um, and, and allows that freedom for us to be able to move funds and, and have that liquidity back and forth. Uh, I personally, I think if this thing pops, I mean, I don't know the price range. I mean, we can all have speculation on what we think it's going to be. If it takes over all the debt and it goes that way, then, you know, we can see an absorbent amount of uh, value on the XRP. If it's just moved on the liquidity side, just to move, you know, basically like a stable coin back and forth. I don't know. We're all in the speculative part. I personally think that it's going to go to the freaking moon at some point. Um, and it's crazy because you've seen Bitcoin take its little move. XRP always moves after Bitcoin, right? So Bitcoin had its little move. Now we have its move. I still think we have another pullback. We have some some fuckery that needs to happen in the market before we can take that next lift off. Um, I mean, we could see XRP even pull back a little bit more. What I'll get excited about XRP is when we can get above that 50 cent mark and stay above that 50 cent mark, because that's going to be not only a natural support resistance line, um, it's it's that next level. You know, the market moves in like five, 10, 53 cents. There you go. 53, yep, 53 cents. As long as we can stay above that 50, 53 cent mark, then, you know, we can go ahead and look for that next leg up. But right now, that 50 cents is just going to act as resistance. And, and again, I don't look at the price action in the altcoins as a short term. I look at it as a long term because I am in it, you know, for the long, long call for, you know, after the bull run and after things really settle down. I do have my exit bags, you know, and exit strategies at certain points. But overall, I'm just accumulating. Um, but I truly believe, man, if, if everything works out and XRP, XRP gets to be used for what it was designed for, it will literally change the world. Absolutely, Billy. And Jackie, we're going to kick it to you. But before we do that, we got 316 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And somebody asked, how is a man going to get one to two million normal people like us rich? Well, Chameth, somebody that we've showed on our channel before, actually broke down some details. And Jackie, while I find that video, I'm going to play this short clip of our of a guest we had on our show. This is Quincy Jones explaining how decentralized apps are set to take over the world and XRPL could be the center stage. We're going to let the short clip play and go back to Jackie. Here we go. Let's say you're willing to liquidate $100 million worth of bonds. Well, you can only liquidate $100 million worth of bonds if you can find a buyer for those bonds. And that is being traditionally pretty difficult in terms of the higher and higher value. And that's not be bonds. It could be stocks. It could be any sort of asset of any capacity, mortgages, whatever it is. Now, with the SSC ledger, the entire premise is being able to maximize liquidity through this algorithm in terms of being able to take all these different steps at the same time. So instead of you know, taking these gold derivatives or bonds or mortgages, whatever it may be, it means that the, the, the entire premise is being able to liquidate those assets on demand in terms of being able to move them into different assets or different currencies and then allow those different currencies to be able to uh, interact with whatever parties that you're trying to engage with. So if I had like a hundred million dollars of gold derivatives, I could instantly liquidate those from gold derivatives to US dollars to Japanese yen to I don't know Japanese stocks instantly, rather than me going through the physical process of all right, I got all these gold derivatives. We find a broker that's willing to you know have me sell them, then I sell them in the dollars, and then you go find some forex exchange, you change those dollars into Japanese yen. Then now I have the Japanese yen. Now I can buy the Japanese stocks. 
So you see what's seeing, I mean, the XRPL, people often talk about it being used as a currency. It's going to be a liquidity pool for all assets going forward. Being able to tokenize derivatives, put them on the blockchain and instantly sell those. You're taking illiquid assets and making them liquid. And in my opinion, that's when the people in our live chat get extremely wealthy, Jackie. But we got 320 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And for anybody who didn't know, it is Coach JV's birthday today. So go and give Coach JV a shout out, whether that's on his Twitter or in the live chat. Shout out to Coach JV. We love you. Thank you so much for everything that you do. And I just wanted to send love and high vibrations to my friend. But Jackie, while we're on this video, please give me your thoughts about what Quincy had to say. Decentralized apps are set to take over the world and liquid assets are really going to take place on the XRPL. What does that mean to you? Yeah, that's why we actually, um, we love Quincy, by the way. Shout out to Quincy. Thank you for coming on our show. Um, we would love to have you more often. And happy birthday, Coach JV. Um, we love you so much. Thank you for all that you do. Um, Quincy nailed it. On-demand liquidity is is exactly why we are such firm believers in XRP. Um, and just like he said, you know, we liquidity is the answer to everything right now, right? We need liquidity. Just like Billy was saying the beginning of the show um to be able to you know that's that's exactly their plan they need to be able to crash crash both things to move things from one asset to another and then you know then the utility gets put back in um but that that is one thing that when i when i went to um apex uh last year that was kind of the thing that you know really opened up my mind i mean Ripple's amazing. They, they, their conferences, everything that they're doing as far as the company. Um, but when they had talked about um, integrating, you know, smart contracts, um, decentralized applications, all of those things that they're getting ready to do um, on the ledger, that, you know, that's where I, I was really starting to get excited um, because, yeah, they're doing it. They have plans for it and they're, you know, they're moving that direction. And that's exactly what they need to do, you know, to stay relevant. Absolutely. And people often reference uh, XRP taking over the banking sector, but you just painted a perfect picture, Jackie. XRP taking over the banking sector is a small part of a much larger vision when we're talking about tokenization of real world assets. And we're about to show our listeners a very important video. This could be the most important video of the day, Gonzo. So we're going to let this short clip play and go right back to you, my friend. Here we go. But the reason that we print so much money is sort of what Freebrook says, which is that we just want a well-functioning society. And the simplest and shortest way to do that is to make sure that there aren't any winners and losers anymore. And the most effective way to do that in the markets is with money. Print a bunch of money and there are no more winners and losers. And so everybody can kind of win. Some people may, may win more, but nobody really ever loses. I would take the opposite approach, Gonzo. I would say nobody actually wins. Everybody kind of loses instead of saying everybody kind of wins. So it's an interesting narrative and I have my rebuttal, but I want to kick it to you. What do you think about his clip? Infinite money printing is the solution to the to the divide in economic classes that we have today. Of course you would say that, dude. He's one of the elites, right? So what? who ends up making that money? All that money that gets printed, it gets it gets filtered to the top 1%. And he's top 1%. So of course he's going to say that, right? Uh, and it's like that theory that if you gave everybody a million dollars, right? Eventually over time, all that money would make itself, would find its way back up to the top 1%, right? Whether because of a bad spending habits, uh, not the right mindset, wasting the money on stupid shit, like whatever that is, that money always flows back. So of course he's going to say that, right? Because He's not really worried about the debasement of currency because what that does is eradicate the middle class. And all it does is causes the separation gap. 
So you either have extremely poor or you have extremely rich. He's extremely rich. So he's just going to get richer. Right. And so, yeah, of course he would say that. I want to kick it right back to you here, but I want to build off the point you made. So you described how infinite money printing only gets funneled up the pyramid. And there's a very simple explanation for that. The same big companies, whether it's Walmart, Amazon, Target, Whole Foods, all of these companies that you see in every store around the world, they're owned around, they're owned by the same 12 to 25 families. And so what happens is they print the money and they give it to the everyday retail investor, but we only have so many places to spend that money. So what happens is we go and spend the money in the same shops over time and it gets funneled right back up the pyramid until what happens? The bottom of the pyramid is left dry while the top of the pyramid is more prosperous than ever. And that's exactly what happened during 2020 when they printed $18 trillion. So when you're describing the economic pyramid, this is a clear example of it here. And I know it's not the right words on the inside, but it's an example of how the money gets spent. It goes to the bottom and it slowly funnels its way back up to top until they repeat that process once again. But guys, we got 342 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. I want to lighten the mood here, Gonzo, and make a little light of this situation as Coinbase responded to the SEC's Wells notice with an interesting new commercial. And they're basically firing shots at the SEC, but not only the SEC, the United States in general. So this is a really short clip. We're playing go to Gonzo. Here we go. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Up yeah. in the system, they're calling America yeah. out. I got to admit, I love how bold they're getting when it comes to Ethereum. If we had seen the same energy with XRP, maybe they wouldn't need to do all this battling right now. But I'm not going to leave it there. Gonzo, what do you think <laughs> about this commercial? You know, he, dude, he's not wrong. When you look at what's happening globally, right, and you look at uh, these other countries, like the UK, they're starting to get regulation. They're getting their banks online, right? Singapore, right? El Salvador has been in the news lately, right? This is an opportunity for these smaller countries that can pivot faster to to make regulation and give clarity because these companies are going to flow to that, right? And um, so he's absolutely 100% right. Why are they going to stay here? Why are you going to build a company here, right? If it's unsure, you don't know what's going to happen. You can build a product, you can build a blockchain and everything be okay one day. And two years down the road, you can get sued and it can collapse everything. They can sue you and they can make you go bankrupt like library. Why would you risk that? You're going to take your company offshore where you have regulatory clarity, right? Because here's the thing. These companies don't want to be cross of the SEC. They want to do things the right way, right? But when you look at the SEC, why don't they give them regulation? Because it's a power grab, right? So if the, if the SEC came out and gave everyone clear guidelines and, and, and regulatory clarity, everybody would follow it. And then the SEC wouldn't really have a job. They could, but that's what they think, right? I have a different opinion, right? My thing is, if you did that, then you could focus on the real criminals, the people that are really defrauding people, because that is your job, right? You wouldn't have to worry about the companies like Ripple, Coinbase, Kraken that are doing things the right, right way, right? You could just lightly monitor them. You've given them guidance. They know what to do. These companies want to come in compliance. And then the SEC could do their real job, which is to go after criminals like SBF and FTX, right? But instead, they're doing things all backwards and going after these legit companies that aren't committing fraud, that are trying to work with them, but it all goes back to what we've been talking about. It's because they're trying to slow down the innovation so that TradFi can get their hooks into it. And then once they, they're all settled and they, they, they have their ability to make money, they're going to let this thing run. But in the meantime, 
we suffer, right? And how many companies are going to leave the US, right, to go somewhere else? Um, just think about what happened with the internet, right? With the whole internet boom. Think about companies like Google, Microsoft, all these giant companies, right, that, that were in the US and that built this infrastructure. Imagine them going to a different country and they weren't around for that, right? That's what we're going to see with, 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 uh, with like blockchain and crypto. Absolutely. And Jackie, I'd love to kick it back to you. I'm going to read a quick report. This is directly from the president's economic report, and it's in regards to cryptocurrencies. He said, I stumbled upon a key statement that could prove the useful to XRP and Ripple, as well as Coinbase in other litigatory cases against the SEC. The report states on page 239, regardless of the label used, a crypto asset may be, among other things, a security, commodity, derivative, or another type of financial product, depending on the facts and circumstances. Meta Lawman commented, amazing, and that is exactly right. And this is the official position of the executive branch of the United States government. That is the most bullish news I've heard for Ripple in regards to this lawsuit, even though it's not directly in regards to this lawsuit, Jackie. How do you feel about these statements in the president of the United States stating that all cryptos can't be securities? It's about the facts and circumstances. Yeah, and I think that's the issue right now. Um, they're trying to, you know, we're there's all this new technology and all these gray areas, right? And so they're trying to determine under what facts, under what circumstances are, um, you know, do these things lie? But I agree uh, with him there. You know, uh, there's there's facts and circumstances um, that have already been precedented in the past. I mean, we talk about the Ethereum case, things like that, that have gotten passes. So it's like you, it's like a standard was set there, right? And then there's a flip flop. So that's, that's kind of the frustrating thing. Um, I think that most people feel and why this keeps getting, um, you know, why people are continuing to throw these types of cases out there in which, which it looks like we do have certain clarity. So just make a decision. Um, and so that's what I'll say on that. Um, and and yeah, I agree. I agree. If you make a decision on on certain cryptocurrencies, i.e., um, Ethereum, like like they have, um, then you have to you know even the playing field with the rest of rest of the altcoins. And I love the statement here, Jackie, because it leaves a broad opening for future cases. They're not pigeonholing this industry to a specific label. They're saying many of these products are going to be labeled completely differently, and they're indirectly saying. The SEC shouldn't regulate all cryptos because all cryptos are not securities. And Billy, I want to kick it to you, but I'm going to read this again for our listeners. Regardless of a label used, a crypto asset may be, among other things, a security, commodity, derivative, or another type of financial product, depending on the facts and circumstances. And this is from the president of the United States. So, Billy, please give us your take and then we'll continue with the show. Oh, man, it's it's crazy. You can't you can't play by the rules because they they don't tell you the real rules. They give you like operating guidelines, and then you you work within those operating guidelines because they're not rules. And then they come in and they slap you around for operating within those guidelines. It, it's it's so crazy, man. We are, you know, we we talk a lot about how so many other countries are corrupt and how you know they're they're bad people, and the whole time we as a country forget to look at ourselves and, and some of the, the stuff that, that we do. And it's so crazy uh, <laughs> for those. And I know a lot of people don't like Andrew Tate, but he did say some, I like Andrew um, about being in a, in a corrupt society. 
what kind of society would you want to be in? Um, a mentally controlled society like we are in America, where we know it's a corrupt and where it's a two-tier justice system that we don't have an opportunity to be a part of because we don't have the funds or the um, network to be a part of that to make the moves. Because those people, they can make a phone call and get out of anything they want. Now, imagine being in a country that's totally corrupt. You know it's corrupt. The people know it's corrupt. And all you have to do is pay the right people to get you out of jail. What is the difference in the two except access, right? And that's what they're doing even more. Because when you wipe out the middle class, like you guys were saying before, you only have two classes. You have the elite and you have the poor. And there it is again. No matter what happens, the elite are going to win. They're going to make the laws and they can do whatever they need to do. So it's just wild how we've just looking back, we are the bullies of the nations, right? And now, you know, we're starting to get bullied by the BRICS nation and, and the feds are doing the things that they're doing and everything's starting to get exposed for what it really is. And then you talk about XRP and the liquidity of it. For those that don't know, go try to go try to cash your gold out. Go try to cash your silver out. It's hard, man. It's hard to get get liquid in these scenarios and everything that, that's that's going on. So we just need to do some some honest soul searching and realize where we are and, and what's really going on. There was a comment before, you know, is there anything that we can do? I don't think individually there's anything that we can do. I think collectively we can fuck the whole game up. Um, and But that, that's where we have to come all on the same page and quit arguing with each other, arguing over these, these different things and actually make some change in the world to, you know, together. And if we can't, then you just need to understand the rules of the game the best you can operate within you know, those games and don't get scared. Just be prepared. Have you gold? Have you silver? Have you crypto? Have you fiat? Have you some food on the side for whatever happens? And then you just sit back and you play the game and you just accumulate. Um, yeah, my bad. I went off on a tangent. No, that was beautiful, Billy. And I want to actually build off that. There's a great movie out there and I'm sure everybody has seen it who grew up in the early 2000s. It's called Ants. And so these ants are actually run by the grasshoppers. And what's so exciting about that movie is it reminds me of our life. It really does. it. I think it's symbolic of what we're going through today. In the beginning of that movie, there's this one individual ant and he wakes up. And so the group of leaders, they get together. All the grasshoppers are in a different room and they say, should we deal with this ant? And he goes, no, it's just one ant. There's no reason to deal with him. So they let him be. But he uses the example. And what's the example he uses, Billy? He takes one of the grasshoppers and he puts him underneath this chute and he pulls down a coconut. And one coconut hits the grasshopper on the head and he goes, how do you feel? And he goes, I'm okay. He does it again. Three coconuts fall. It hits him in the head three times. I'm sure you're getting the analogy. Eventually, he pulls the whole parachute down. All the coconuts fall on the grasshopper's head. And underneath the pile, he goes, how are you feeling? No response, right? And that's what we have the power to do as a people. We're not trying to get people fired up. We're not trying to say, go do any, take any action. We're trying to free individuals, right? And the, the way you do that is by thinking for yourself and hopefully connecting with like-minded individuals. And that's what I thought that analogy provided. So guys, we got 355 live listeners joining us. Show us some love, smash that like button. I'm getting a call from Johnny Crypto right now. He's telling me to show you the smartest way to track your crypto. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and totals since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, 
Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Not is it the smartest way to track your crypto, but having an exit strategy is going to be so important when the Fed turns the printing press back on. And Billy, we got a little bit of evidence of that yesterday as just in by adding close to another $100 billion to their balance sheet. The Federal Reserve has undone 60% of the quantitative tightening since this time when they started last year. And Johnny Crypto, shout out to my friend in the live chat right now, sending you love and high vibrations. But Johnny, I mean, sorry, Billy, I wanted to get your thoughts. The Federal Reserve is currently shifting their stance when it comes to inflation, and they're reversing the quantitative tightening that's taken place. Expose the game for our listeners because we knew this day would come. Yeah, man, it's one of those things you you, you have to pick. Pick pick how you want to fix the economy. If you're trying to bring down inflation, you raise interest rates. And the only way that you can bring that down is, unfortunately, people have to lose their jobs. Um, but that's the only way you get inflation down. But if you're continuing to add jobs, raise interest rates, and then now you're starting to print money, that causes hyperinflation. Um, so it's, it's going to be very interesting where we go and how the price of things start to move with all this. Um, I know before they raised this last FOMC meeting, they raised it a quarter basis point. They were going to move it at a half, but um, they you can't do both and expect nothing to happen. That's why when I say, I've been saying this for two years now, man, that this shit is on purpose, that it's planned. You don't do this amount of dumb shit in a row and not have a plan behind it. And if so, then you're just an idiot and you have no business doing what you're doing. So when you put all those factors in a row, people are still getting jobs. Inflation is not coming down. Interest rates are getting hiked up and now they're turning on the printing presses, man. If, if there was an, ever an epic time to throw a match on a, a pile of wood of kindling and throw some gas on it, now's the time, man. Um, and it's going to be an epic, epic burn when it happens because before they were trying to bring us in for this soft landing there is no soft landing for this when this shit happens it's going to happen it's going to happen fast uh, and then this pendulum swing over to crypto again it's going to happen and it's going to happen fast when they decide to move that that switch and they do it all over honestly don't think it's going to be a slow burn i think it's going to be a pretty hot intense thing that's going to happen because once you crash it, you can't stay in that crash zone for too long you have to come and bring the people out of it and get them into that that this new reality that we're about to go into. So that's my thoughts. If the Ponzi scheme is built from the printing press, you can't turn the printing press off or the Ponzi scheme collapses. It's very, very simple. But guys, we got 354 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And everybody's talking about this morning how Ethereum could be considered an unregistered security. Well, Joseph Lubin took the time to, to comment on this. And this is somebody who's been very critical of Ripple when it comes to the XRP lawsuit. So this is him changing his stance in order to protect his own project. We're going to let the short clip play and go to Gonzo and Jackie. Here we go. Ethereum, I want to focus on Ether uh, for a moment because there was this lawsuit brought by the New York Attorney General uh, against KuCoin. Within that, um, the, the New York AG suggested that uh, if Ether could be a security um, as part of that, they say that the shift of proof to stake has incentivized users to, to own ETH due, due to the pooling method and the nature of the way uh, the Ethereum blockchain works. What's your view on that? Do you think it's a security? So anybody can say anything. It, it doesn't make it true. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that, uh, um, that 
that sort of side swipe uh, was made, but uh, I don't think it's all that relevant. But people are trading it and staking it with the expectation of profit. Um, that is one of the, the determinants of what is a security. So is that not concerning? People buy barrels of oil with the expectation of profit. So you're confident at this point that ETH is not a security. What if it is? What's the what if it is a security? Um, I don't think there's any point to speculate on something that is uh, extremely unlikely extremely unlikely when it applies to his project, but when his competitors are being accused of the same thing, his stance is totally different. And this is what bothers me about the crypto industry right now. How are the smartest players in our market unable to see that the best thing they could do would be working together against the regulators instead of saying, oh, attack Ripple, not Ethereum, or attack Ethereum and not Ripple? It doesn't make any sense. What you put out eventually comes back, and now you're seeing that with the Ethereum alliance here. So, Gonzo, I'd love to get some thoughts from you and then kick it to Jackie. Yeah, you know, we said that before, that tribalism is is not good. It's us against the SEC, right? Because while you're pointing fingers or like they were pointing fickle fingers at uh, Ripple and XRP, um, they were getting ready to, to slap lawsuits on exchanges and other protocols. And so, um, yeah, like we just need to fight against the SEC. My personally, I think Ethereum is a commodity. I think it was rolled out of security. I would... To be honest with you, I would love it if they sued Ethereum. It would absolutely devastate the price, and I would back up the truck. That's what I would do. That's me personally, right? Because it would get resolved. Maybe it goes to court, right? And then they get a win, like Ripple's going to get a win, and they get the clarity. And then as long as they get the upgrades going and they're able to fix the scaling solution, then, um, again, I keep saying this, Ethereum is going to do special things. You, look, you can all have your opinion about Ethereum, this, that, or the other thing. But you can't argue that it, it is the number two, right? When you talk about these layer two solutions and how they're going to scale it, it's all part of a bigger plan, right? And the other thing that happens with Ethereum that people just are not paying attention to is that it is deflationary. I understand that there is no uh, cap supply like in Bitcoin. But when you look at the number, because the more you use the network, it, it burns more Ethereum it becomes deflationary. We have never had an asset class within crypto that's been like that. We've had burns and this and that, but nothing that is consistently burning itself, right? That deflationary thing. I wouldn't even be surprised if at some point in the future, as long as we get the scaling thing solved, that Ethereum eventually takes some of that um, store of value narrative away from Bitcoin because of the deflationary measure. So we're going to see how it plays out. Only time will tell. Again, I'm not Ethereum Maxi. I love XRP. I have all kinds of other different positions, but um, there's a reason why I have an Ethereum position. Absolutely. And Jackie, I want to kick it to you here, but let's just update our listeners on a couple of articles because we got so carried away with the videos. We haven't touched on our, any of our articles yet. So the first one I want to talk about is Coinbase CEO says the SEC risk putting the U.S. financial system far behind other countries. But the one quote I wanted to focus on in particular is the last quote within this article. He says, in a way, we're happy to go to court. And if that's what it takes to finally get some case law developed in this industry, we're willing to do it. The SEC has been a real outlier in its opposition against crypto. And it seems like this is the only way to clarity in the United States. So Jackie, how do you feel about Coinbase stating they're willing to go to court and they're excited to get clarity if that's what it takes? First, let me say shout out to Gonzo, man. Um, the ETH Maxi, he's got bags and bags and bags of ETH. 
Gonzo, you better be sharing with us when you're at the top. But um, no, spot on, Gonzo, with Ethereum. And that is, you know, the deflationary mechanism of ETH. Um, that's that's the answer, right? That's why we have the issue we do today in our own financial system. But going back to the article, um, sorry for the tangent. Uh, I, I feel like this is uh, yet another play, yet another, uh, you know, theatric um, play uh, amongst us right now because you know we need we need more and more clarity right and we've always been saying that Coinbase is is the the favored child of exchanges right um, and so I think I think this is in my opinion again I could totally be wrong I just think that this is another play to be able to bring about um, you know the the kind of clarity that we need. Um, you know, you have cryptocurrencies. We we also need clarity with exchanges, um, all of those types of things. And so um, what better way than to to fake fight against uh, the one that you're actually rooting for and then bring about clarity um, in that aspect is what what they always do. Right. Um, so that's that's my take on that. Absolutely, Jackie. And here's another update out of Coinbase, because we talk about how if you can't comply in the United States, these companies are going to go overseas. Well, Coinbase is already doing that. And again, Coinbase introduced an app geared solely towards the Brazilian market this week. The next day, the company said it was served a Wells notice from the SEC, notifying the company of investigations into several of their securities offerings. And just to remind our listeners, Billy, we talked about this yesterday. The SEC approved Coinbase to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange back in 2021 and went through a list of protocols that they were currently offering. They gave them the green light. So it's interesting, 24 months later, here they are attacking them. But what I want to focus on is this. Coinbase is willing to leave the United States and go to Brazil. How many other companies are going to do that if this crackdown continues? I think we'll lose a lot of companies that will go overseas if we don't if we don't get this together. Um, it, it, it's it's crazy how how ETH is is coming along, man. And and like Gonzo was saying, the possibilities for ETH. I think the only thing, like Gonzo said, the only thing that I don't like about ETH, and it's not even a bad thing with everything they have going on now, is the cap supply. Um, and but everything else, I agree with Gonzo. I think it's going to do do huge things. I think it's going to be one of the big players in the game. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Absolutely. And while you were doing that, I got a great video prepared for our listeners as Vitalik Buterin was taking shots at Ripple and XRP. Well, here he is reversing his stance. He's bragging about taking profits at the top of the market. And this is a clear example of how centralized entities control many of these decentralized products. You were, I presume that your net worth crashed a great deal, it got run up and then came, came back yeah, in. Yeah. And were you happy in any way about that? Relieved. Relieved. Yeah. So when uh, the, at the right at the top of the big bubble, like in December 2017, um, when uh, Bitcoin was hitting 20,000, ETH was hitting uh, 1,400, I, I made this tweet and well, a series of tweets uh, that kind of became somewhat famous within the space where I basically said the cryptocurrency space has reached half a trillion dollars. Does does it deserve it? Like, do the things that it's actually accomplished, like hold a candle to the uh, promises that right. the market is ascribing to it. And I mean, the subtext of my answer is not yet. And I was uh, proven very right uh, fairly quickly. And humble brag there. But you didn't short it, did you? So. The I, mean, I did get and 
uh, get the Ethereum Foundation to sell about uh, 70,000 ETH, like basically at the top, and that's doubled our runway now. So like, uh, and it was one good decision that had a lot, um, that had a lot of impact. But. I feel like that pause speaks volumes when he said, how did you feel about selling the top? And he goes, relieved after like a three second silence, because the reality is him selling the top, he painted the picture right there. It allowed them to continue operations. If they didn't take profit at the correct time, this company was going to go under. And the question that he avoided in that statement was, did you short Ethereum? He didn't say no. What he said is, uh, uh, we he said, he said, I did, didn't. Yeah, it's I, very weird. Very, I, he's like, I did, didn't. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, honestly, just give us your thoughts here because Vitalik's talking about how great it is that he was able to take profit on 70,000 Ethereum at the top of the market. Well, he's bragging about, basically, he's bragging about dumping on retail investors. That's the opposite end of the statement. What does that mean to you, my friend? I mean, yeah. So, but if you were in Ethereum and you followed his lead, then you made money too, right? Unfortunately, that is the crypto space, right? Let's not get it twisted. And and I'm not like a huge fan of Vitalik, right? Um, I, I like Ethereum, but you know, it, I can't pick who the founder is. But don't get it twisted. In the next bull run, when we're selling our bags, who do you think we're selling to? We're selling to people that are FOMOing in, right? That didn't learn kind of the lessons that we've probably learned that have been in the space longer. That's kind of how it's set up. Um, so when he said to sell, I, I wasn't in Ethereum back then. Uh, I wasn't in the space, but I would have paid attention to that and I would have been selling too. And, and these are things that you have to pay attention to. When these uh, major players or these whales make moves, you need to make moves with them or you're going to get crushed. Here's another great example of that, Gonzo, is Bank of America is publicly promoting blockchain, but specifically, they're talking about a blockchain that our listeners should be aware of, which is Tezos. So California leads the way as U.S. federal state agencies are considering blockchain applications, says Bank of America. And what's so important about this is if this is kicking off in 2023, this is the type of project. Oh, man, I lost all my highlights on this article. I'm so sorry for our listeners. We're going to have to skip past you, this. One. I, you want me to no, talk no, about no, it? No, no. I, okay, guys. We'll that's the Tezos it. one. Yeah, Jackie and Gonzo, both of you, you you did the notes beforehand. So kick it to you. I'll yeah. re-highlight this. So I thought what was really cool about that is that we talked about this, like I think at the beginning of last year, like when the show had started, we talked about NFTs and we talked about this world where you would have an NFT and it would be like your licensing or it could be like a car NFT and then it, it, it would interact with the insurance protocol, right? And that's exactly what they're talking about. That's what California DMV is building on a private blockchain of Tezos is their titles, right? So that you could have the title. Now imagine that title now interacts with the banking protocol so that when your loan is paid off, it's immediate that you get that title. The other thing that happens a lot is people always leave their titles in their glove compartments. So when their cars get stolen, they lose their titles and it's a pain in the ass for you to go into DMV to try to figure out like what documentation you need to get that title so that you can show ownership of the car. And this shows you ownership, right? It's instantaneous. It can, it can interact with an insurance protocol, right? To show damage so that there's validity and how many times a car has been repaired. I mean, there's all these different things that go into it, but this is kind of one of the niches that blockchain was built for. And, and uh, it's cool that, you know, California is trying to do that. I'll, I'll kick it to Jackie and see what she has to add about it. Yeah, no, I was just going to say the same thing. I mean, um, you know, that is why, guys, that is why we jumped early on on putting out an NFT uh, for the 3T Warrior Academy as well. Um, this is just where everything is going. Um, car partnerships, 
and I, I saw someone comment about my um tick. I'm, now I'm saying it more often. Car partnerships are huge in the space uh, with NFTs. I mean, we got Porsche. They partnered with the cars. Um, Tezos is another blockchain that a lot of cars are using. So it's and I will say right now, too, um, I just wanted to highlight Tezos. A ton of people. Tezos has been around for forever. They just don't do marketing like a lot of other altcoins do they're kind of the ones that wade in the background uh but they are strong and if you hear i don't know if you talk to anybody who's been in the markets uh minimum 2017 even beyond that they are firm believers in tezos they stack tezos bags like crazy so that's another one just to look out for i mean on the on the altcoin uh perspective just wanted to make that comment Awesome. Thank you, Jackie. And we got a couple other uh, articles prepared for our listeners. As the UAV, UAE unveils a CBDC strategy, and this is more, this is way more important than the article leads on. So we're going to skip right down to what's so important about this. The first pillar is the soft launch of an ongoing M-Bridge project. This is a collaboration between the Bank of International Settlements, the Central Bank of Hong Kong, the Chinese mainland, and the United Arab Emirates to study cross-border payments in a multi-CBDC transaction. This reminds me of the article that we've brought up many times throughout the show. It's Project Iceberg, and this is what the BIS has been working on for several months with plenty of nations around the world. The BIS has successfully completed a retail CBDC pilot called Project Iceberg. Well, here we have the clear evidence. It's going to be launched in 2024. I want to take a moment of silence here for anybody who's not aware of this technology. This is dangerous, guys. This is a completely separate system outside of an American CBDC. So not only are you getting a CBDC, you're getting a foreign CBDC. And that's pretty dangerous, Gonzo. I'd love to give you the chance to just elaborate on that. What does it mean to you? I, I mean, we're, we're just kind of seeing it play out in front of us, right? When we did the story originally that, you know, the Project Iceberg, it's kind of a hub and all the CBDCs connect to it, right? But we're not able to like what Johnny always talks about and his fear that is always in the back of his mind. What if they build something that is private um, that we cannot leverage. Right. And, and that's, and that's always the risk. Uh, right. But um, I, I think, you know, where we're going to be able to get in on it is with companies like ripple that are building CBDCs or XLM or some of the other projects that are, that are going to leverage their own blockchain. Right. Cause remember there's going to be a lot of different versions of a CBDC that are built by different protocols, right? Some of those we're going to be able to get in on and some of those we're not, right? And so you just got to do your research and you got to see which ones we're going to be able to get in on. Absolutely. And it reminds me of the project being built on HBAR. It's called Project New Dawn. And this is a CBDC project being built for HBAR. So all of these different portions of the it's what Quincy brought up the other day. It's like every single blockchain that's focused on communicating with others is going to have their portion of the internet. And we talk about several of them every day, HBAR, XLM, XRP, the list goes on and on. So Jackie, if you have any closing statements here, now's the time. And I'm going to pull up our last article. Um, no, not on this one. Let's get into the next one. I actually have a great article to close this thing out on too, Jackie. As Joe Rogan was talking about the banking collapse that's taking place in America today, and he's even stating that if the regular everyday American knew how our system worked, the system would collapse right before our eyes. So we're going to let the short clip play and go back to the group. Here we go. Um, what's going on with the banks? I'm hearing all things crazy. All, like, I hear these crazy reports. I read these reports that I forgot the exact percentage, but if a certain percentage of people right now were to pull out their money, banks are collapsed. So There's what? 200 banks that are apparently in danger. This is what I read. Is this uh, the case? 
Have you been paying? You've been paying attention. Yeah, if I like start looking too deep, I need to. You know, like the whole fucking thing is really about to just fall apart. <laughs> but like, I'm like, okay. I knew it was bad. I don't, I was like, I don't like it. I'm I so knew, scared. I knew it was bad when one of the heads of my bank sent me a message. Hey, I just want to send you a message. Everything is good here. We're well taken care of. You got nothing to worry about. Your money's in the safe. Like, oh my God, now. let me get my money now. <laughs> I called him right away and I told him, hey, bro. Do me a favor. Would you tell me if it wasn't good though? Were, were right. You, you're gonna tell me that? He said, "No, no. Of course I would." I mean, no, you wouldn't, man. Would you come take your money out now before we go broke. You're not gonna tell me that. Man. Maybe we do it to you because you might fuck him up. I might fuck him up. <laughs> you know, but damn, it's, it's scary time we're living in, bro. I think it's, it's scary because I think a lot of these banks, they're they're. I mean, it's it's kind of funky. It's like if you just take all the money out, they're fucked. And if people panic and they take all the money out, and then those banks are fucked, and then they might start collapsing the economy right now. Me and you with this conversation. Well, if you let too many people know what's going on, it could collapse the economy. If you let too many people panic, if if someone decided, like some financial expert, not a moron like me, but someone who's like a legitimate financial expert, get your money out now. Oh my God! If Elon Musk got on Twitter and said, "Get your money out now," you know, invest in gold. Invest in Bitcoin. Do something else. People would fucking panic. And Gonzo, a couple of things stick out to me in this article. Jorge Masvidal brought up the fact, I think if everyone went and took their money out right now, a certain percentage, we would have a problem. That's not that's, – that's, that's a banking issue. That's not what's going on right now. That's not what this crisis is. If at any point, even if things are going great and a big portion of people decide, hey, I'd like to take my money out of the bank. The whole system collapses. And what Joe Rogan was really trying to elaborate on, somebody commented, Abs looks like he's from Lebanon. I am from Lebanon. That's pretty funny. But what (laughs) Rogan was trying to elaborate on is the fact that if people don't trust the banking system and there's no money in the banks, there's no business there, right? The banks have to convince people that you should keep your money with them. And Bitcoin and other other assets are a direct direct opposite of that. So sorry, Gonzo, I'd love to give you that. No, I was going to say the whole system is built on confidence, right? It's kind of like an illusion. And if people lose confidence, then the system collapses on itself. And what I was thinking about when I was watching the video is we had, uh, we had lunch with uh, Shelly's sister uh, a couple weekends ago. And I can't, I'm, I'm not going to name the commercial bank that she works for. But she was telling me that they had been doing this, that they were calling their high-end clients and easing their uh, panic, like when SVP and all these other banks were collapsing, like they literally had the employees calling people and saying, Hey, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. So when, you know, he's talking about getting that call, like that's legit. And and that's like directly from someone that works at one of these banks. Right. Uh, so I thought that was pretty crazy. Absolutely. Gonzo. And we only got about 60 seconds here. So Jackie, I'd love to give you a chance to just close it out. How do you feel about uh, Joe Rogan waking up the public they, they started this conversation off with a banking collapse, but they actually just pointed out the flaws in the banking system. So they really didn't focus on the collapse. I'd love to hear what that means to you. I'm always shocked to hear these types of interviews because I feel like a ton of people are watching Joe Rogan. A ton of people are watching Fox News, but then you go and have a normal everyday conversation with someone and they don't really seem to know what's going on. So it kind of throws me through a loop, but it's good to see someone um, who's who's so well known like Joe, Joe Rogan um, comment on what is going on in space in, in this space, uh, because this is, you know, this is the real shit that actually matters. Uh, who cares about whatever else it goes on on social media but um super super you know kind of comforting to hear that people are starting to wake up to to everything and like you said abs uh the analogy you know with with the ant movie um i hope to see that come that would that would be cool 
with the government. Well, Dreams do come true, Jackie. And on that note, we're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Super G. Thank you to Jackie. And thank you to Billy, the chart analysis expert. we got 329 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I hope you guys have an amazing weekend. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, put your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. Have a great weekend.